Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Life knows how to make a body that works, provided you take responsibility for making sure that all of the essential building blocks that the body can't make land in your body so that life can do its job. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. All right. Today on the Less Stress Life, I am happy to introduce the legendary Udo Erasmus, who is the founder of Udo's Choice Whole Foods and other and health food stores worldwide. So you might recognize this if you could see the label. I can picture in my brain Udo's 369, the Omega 369 oil blend. He invented the machinery for making oils, enzymes, probiotics, and more. And he's been a pioneer in the flaxseed oil and the healthy fats industry. He had a rough childhood growing up in a war zone and living without water and electricity. And off air, we were just chatting all about Germany and Poland and where I live. There's a lot about a lot of Germans from Russia. So I told him I've never met anyone who wasn't from here who knew that history so well. So it's very enjoyable. But then things changed. In 1980, Udo got pesticide poisoning. I'll be curious to hear about that. And his doctors didn't know what to do to help him. So he decided to take his health into his own hands. And through research, he made discoveries that really changed his life and overall purpose, which is why we're going to see kind of a, a whole gamma of topics today, sort of the food stuff and kind of how that purpose evolved. Today, he's a teacher at events for Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra. He uses an eight-step process that takes into consideration all elements of whole health that include our mental health, presence, awareness, our life energy, and being in harmony with nature and humanity. And I look forward to where this conversation takes us. Welcome, Udo. I'm glad to be on, Krista. Yeah, cool. So let's talk about the how it's made piece because your life story is interesting and I'm a curious person. Mm -hmm. So tell us about, honestly, tell us where you're from and how you ended up where you are now. Because when we got the little piece in the bio there about growing up in the war zone, I feel Mm -hmm. like that has some some relevance to what became. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I was born in 1942. So during the Second World War, And my parents had moved from Latvia to Poland, but the part of Poland they moved to had been taken over by Germany. So it was part of Germany when I was born there on a, I call it, I say I was born on a stolen farm. And then I was two, not quite three in the winter of 1944 to 45, 
when we became refugees. My father was in a prisoner of war camp, and my mother was by herself with six kids, she four of her own and two whose parents had perished in the war. And we were fleeing out of Poland westward into Germany on a horse-drawn hay wagon, along with lots of other refugees. And we were fleeing from the communists chasing us in tanks and trucks. And we were on roads that were only refugees on, no soldiers. And the allies were shooting at us from planes. They were using us for target practice. These were the good guys, right? And so when people talk about war, I, n I never have a lot of sympathy for either side because yeah, there are no good guys in war, <laughs> just, mm -hmm. just so we're clear. And so we got out. I got left behind and I was in an orphanage for a while. And then my mother's sister came and found me and my sister who got left behind because my mother went through the fields because the roads were too dangerous because nobody was shooting at the fields, but they were shooting at the roads and they were dead horses and dead people in the ditches. And I don't remember that much except the fear, the anxiety. I was really shy. The hunger, I remember, confusion, chaos, not being able to know what to rely on. And so I was a pretty quiet kid. When I was six years old, we were in Germany, and adults were arguing about things that I thought as a six-year-old were really trivial. And the thought came to me is, there must be a way that people can live in harmony, and I'm going to find out how. And that basically became my driver. So when it came to getting edumacated, I went to university in science because I wanted to know how things work. What can I rely on? This is, was, was really my question. And then I got into biosciences because I wanted to know how creatures work. And then I got into psychology because I wanted to know how thinking works, you know, all in the service of finding a way that people can live together in harmony. And eventually there was still something missing. And eventually I got into self-knowledge because I literally, I didn't understand it at first, but I literally needed to understand how I work. And so that's basically my background. It's pretty much this question of how we could live better together has been my driver all my life. Not you know, Well, that explains, that explains, because I remember looking at your resume and thinking, hmm, this is an interesting set of education mm -hmm. and it's all in pursuit. It's all in, it's all in curiosity here. Uh, right. So we have a little bit in common. We're both right. curious. I wasn't, you know, it was, I wasn't thinking about that every day. But the things that I got was interested in, like that was behind it. And then I would quit stuff when I didn't get out of it what I thought I would get, or I learned as much as I could, and then I needed to go on. So I would quit things. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was always behind it. And then eventually I left university because I didn't find what I was looking for. That's before I started doing self-knowledge. And then I got married and we had three kids and my marriage broke up and I wanted to kill something. So I took a job as a pesticide sprayer. I already had the license and I had gotten 99.5% on the exam. And I said to the guy who called me with my mark, I said, are you sure you didn't make a mistake marking it? Because I was sure I had got 100%. So he said, well, let me look it up. And he went through it and he says, how many instars in a crane fly? It's an insect. And I said, four. He said, well, you circled two. So <laughs> that was the mistake I had made. So I knew my stuff. And I took a job as a pesticide sprayer just because I wanted to kill something. And so I was really careless. We used to walk barefoot through the over the lawns I sprayed till the skin peeled off the bottom of my feet. And then I wore rubber boots. And it was a summer job. And I was vain because I'm white and I like tans. So I would drive this little tractor with a big tank on the back and go and spray lawns and then spray insects on trees and stuff. 
and I would do it in a bear in a bathing suit and rubber boots because it was summer, mm-hmm. and the wind would drift the spray on my back. And eventually, after three years of this carelessness, I got poisoned by pesticides. And that's what did that I, feel like? Well, what I got. How did you know? Yeah, what? Well, I got low energy, cramps, nausea, dizziness, and if I turned my head, it felt like my head turned, but my brain didn't. Now I'm sure my brain turned, but that's what it felt like. It was a really strange symptom. And the biggest biggest issue was I was 38. If I walked around a city block, I would have to sit down and rest. And I was used to having tons of energy. I never, ever had a problem with energy. And that was the longest lasting symptoms. And then I went to the doctor and said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? She said, nothing. And that was the day the penny dropped for me, that my health is my responsibility. So I'm very big on self-responsible health care. Simply because if you don't care about your health or I don't care about my health, maybe nobody does because my doctor gets paid whether he cures me or not. Mm-hmm. And so, and most of what we do in healthcare is actually not healthcare anyway because it's disease management misrepresented as healthcare. So they're, they're good at crisis intervention and life support systems and symptom suppression and uh, managing your downhill track into the graveyard. But they do not have a definition of health that is practical and and applicable. And if people understood it, they could actually make sure that they do all the things they need to do in order to be healthy. And I'm mm-hmm. my big project between now and the time I check out is uh, about turning health and human nature into teachable fields. Because after 100,000 years of living here stupidly and doing so much damage to the planet to each other and to ourselves. It's about time we took stock of ourselves and uh, we're due a transformation. It's about 200,000 mm-hmm. years overdue. So lots of wise words there that I think even health professionals that are in the field would agree with. Yeah. Um, but I would just want to highlight that health is, we can be responsible for our health. And that is the biggest challenge when we're trying to create healthcare interventions is without personal responsibility, I guess you can, we can do, we'll, we'll always fail, right? Because well, you'll, always, you'll always farm yourself out to an expert who will charge you for your insecurity, and your insecurity based on not taking the time to get to know how your body works. I mean, you live in it. <laughs> you think you'd like to know what there is to it. And the truth is, you know, ever since creatures were made, they were always made out of light for us, for the animal creatures, light, oxygen, water, and food. That's it. Not drugs, not radiation, not chemos, you know, food, water, air, and light. That was it. Those are the building blocks for making bodies that work. And life created a genetic program, which is adapted to us living in line with nature. So we're talking about fresh, whole, raw, organic foods, mostly plant-based, because there's a lot more plants on this planet than animals. And, and, and for a large part of our early existence, like a couple million years ago, 20 million years ago, we were basically plant-eating. And the research now is very clear. You want the best life and the longest, the best and the longest life, the healthiest and the longest life. Eat whole foods, plant-based, and take a B12 supplement. You don't need any animal products to be healthy. So I want to go back really quick. We were talking about pesticide poisoning. You went over you know, low energy and yeah. nausea and it's not turning your head. So 
it's interesting how toxicity can present in different symptoms and different people. So many people will feel puffy or inflamed everywhere. Um, So I would love to know how I'm guessing after this time, obviously, Mm -hmm. because you had this health change, that's when Udo started. And I do want to talk just a little bit about the manufacturing, like what happened with the machinery that you did before we get into the processes about living health holistically. Uh, improperly because I like to know how things work and yeah. a lot of people who are listening are also just genuinely curious. So right. tell us how so, that started. So when, so when the doctor told me I have nothing for you, I decided to use my background in science and biological sciences to try and figure it out myself. So I went into the journals, into Medline, which is a database of all the research that's been done. And it had at that time 16 million studies of those 600,000 were on nutrition. Of those, about 30,000 were on fats. And of those, about 6,000 were on essential fatty acids. And But I went into the research to try and understand, because the body's made out of food. This is where this was my thinking. If the body's made out of food and something goes wrong, then if I raise my standard for how I eat, I should be able to heal 98% I should be able to rebuild 98% of my body to a higher standard within one year because every year, 98% of the atoms in your body are removed and replaced. And you don't even know, like we we don't even notice, but we're a major construction site. (laughs) Every day, stuff is being taken down and replaced. And so I thought, well, if I raise my standard, if I get more savvy about how I eat, then I should be able to reverse my illness that came from pesticide poisoning, of course, I also have to stop eating pesticides. So I did that. And I went into the research and discovered, I was looking at everything, but discovered how much damage is done to our oils by industry and came to the conclusion that I can't get healthy on damaged oils and decided that we should make oils with health in mind because the industry makes them with shelf life in mind. And oils are our most sensitive nutrients. They're damaged by light, by oxygen, and by heat. And they need the most care because of that. But we actually give them the least care. We throw oils in the frying pan and turn them into smoke. And while they're in the frying pan, they're being damaged by light, by oxygen, and by a high temperature all at the same time. And because of that, more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition. And if you want to fix those problems, you need an oil change from oils made with shelf life in mind, from damaged oils to oils made with health in mind. And when I came across this research, it was also the most difficult and confusing area. And I like challenges. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? I'm going to make sense out of how fats affect health. And out of that came a book that is now called Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. And the reason for that is there are two opposite stories on fats. Fats have a bad reputation, and some of them should have a bad reputation because they're damaging to health. But there are also good fats that every cell in your body has to have. And if you don't get them, (laughs) then you go down. So they're called essential fatty acids, omega-3 and omega-6. By definition, these are food molecules that come from fats that you cannot make in your body from anything else, but you have to have them to live and be healthy. So therefore, you have to bring them in from the outside as food or a supplement. If you don't get enough, then your health deteriorates. You get deficiency symptoms because of your being deficient. They are degenerative in nature. Many of them look like our degenerative diseases. They get worse with time. And if you don't get enough long enough, you die. 
So this is really important stuff. And then the good news is that if you're going down because you're not getting enough, but before you die, you bring enough back into the diet in which they're too low, then all of your deficiency symptoms are reversed and you get your health back because life knows how to make a body that works provided you take responsibility for making sure that all of the essential building blocks that the body can't make land in your body so that life can do its job. Because if you don't bring in in the building blocks, as good as life is at creating a bodies and maintaining them, it can't do a job if it doesn't get the building blocks. And your responsibility ends when you've done that, when you've swallowed those building blocks, after that life takes over and does everything else. Mm-hmm. And so that's what essential means. And I thought, you know what? We should make oils with health in mind. When they're damaged, they hurt our health. And then the year after I got poisoned, omega-3 was established as an essential nutrient by the definition I just gave you. And I got, I mean, I had an orgasm. I just like, I, I got lit up like a firecracker. I said, oh my God, if we could make oils with health in mind, and that was already on my mind, because um, I knew how much damage is done in making them. And we could bring back the omega-3s that are too low in 99% of the population. We could help so many people. And that totally lit me up. And then we developed the machinery. You have to make it very tight so no light, oxygen, and heat gets to the oil from the time it's enclosed in the seed where it's protected by nature, it's packaging, through the pressing and the filtering and the settling and the filling till it's in a brown glass bottle in a box nitrogen flushed in the fridge or in the freezer. And so we developed a system like that. And then we began, the first oil we made was flax oil because that's the richest, easily available source of omega-3s. And flax oil became a, in two years, because we, we, we went out on a crazy road trip in a van without air conditioning in the hottest months through the US to 85 cities in 101 days 17,000 miles by road, 35 states. And we talked to anybody who would listen to us. And we were so on fire that within two years, flax oil was the second highest selling oil in the natural food trade, which is where we were doing our education and our work. So that's a little bit of, a, of how I got there. And uh, let me just say one other thing, that when I found out how oils are damaged by processing, I asked, I called the Oil Chemist Society which is the umbrella organization of the oil producers. And I said, I want to talk to a scientist. So they put him on the line and I said to him, well, when you know that the oil is damaged by the processing that you do, why do you do it? And he said, well, part of the reason is that because when we treat the oil the way we do, we can blow off a half of the pesticides in the oil. And I had been poisoned by pesticides, so I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean? The other half of the pesticides stay in the oil? because I didn't know that. I I had never thought about it. And so I said to him, well, why don't you start with organically grown seeds? Then you don't have any pesticides to begin with. Long silence at the other end of the phone. And so I waited, because I can talk, but I can listen too. (laughs) (laughs) Might be hard to tell right now. But And then when he got back to me, he was really mad. He was really angry. He said, I don't know what your problem is. The oil is 99% good, and it's only 1% damaged. And if you got 99% on an exam, you'd be damn happy, wouldn't you? And of course, I told no, you, you that story. About, no, because I told you that story about 100%, right? And I used to get 100% in genetics too, because I was so interested in it. And when you're inspired about something, you tend to learn very well. 
Anyway, so then I thought, well, maybe I'm overreacting, so let me do the math. So I asked the question, if you have a tablespoon of an oil that is 1% damaged by the processing, which involves Drano, then window washing acid, then bleach, bleaching clays that makes it rancid, and then heating the oil to frying temperature, all of this before it goes in the bottle, before it goes on the shelf, before you buy it, 1% damaged. How many damaged molecules would there be in that tablespoon? And I ask people that. And they come up with different numbers. They're always at least a billion times too low in their estimate. There's 60 quintillion damaged molecules in a tablespoon of oil, 1% damaged. That's more than a million damaged molecules for every one of your body's 60 trillion cells. And you know, you could just say, look, that cannot be good for you. Those did not exist in nature. Life never made a program to break them down. They pile up in your body and after taking two to four tablespoons every day for five or 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 years. And then, then there's so much junk in your body that your body can't function because they interfere with what needs to be going on in your body in terms of health. And then you get something. Inflammation is usually the biggest inflammation and cancer. And then you wonder, geez, I don't know how I got the cancer. I always ate good. Because you don't understand that when you're eating good, the oils you're using are bad. And nobody tells you because they don't really, this is not a story that the oil industry wants to be out there particularly. But it's an important story from the perspective of health and to make you understand that industries and institutions don't necessarily have your welfare as their highest priority. And we've talked about this on the podcast a little bit before because we've talked to other another flax company that mm-hmm. feels similarly as you, and mm-hmm. they have a very high standard for not allowing rancid seeds and mm-hmm. that will like further the faster oxidation or damage to that oil yeah. um, and cause it to go rancid quickly. So yeah. and oxidation um, and oxidation is the least damage damaging. Light is more damaging and heat is more damaging than oxygen. Mm-hmm. Oxygen makes an oil rancid. Light Mm -hmm. turns it into free radicals, and you get a lot of breakdown reactions that change molecules to unnatural. And heat will get you twisted molecules, trans fatty acids. Everybody's Mm -hmm. about trans fatty acids now there. They have Mm -hmm. finally, after 100 years of not even having to be put on the label, they finally have been uh, required to be on the label. But if you have Mm -hmm. half a percent of trans fatty acids, you can still say no trans fatty acids. Right. So this is why to make this applicable, this mm-hmm. is why oil often comes in a dark container. But yeah, something wanted, people don't think about. You want it in dark glass bottles, uh, mm-hmm. not plastic, because plastic swells and plastic will leach into oil quicker than into water. Mm-hmm. So, and then oh. the other thing is checking yeah. the smoke point for the oil, so you're not overheating. Um, yeah, the smoke point. You know what? Smoke point just means you can do more damage before you notice. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't yeah. mean that you can fry oil. See. Thanks for this one. (laughs) Fried oils fry health. That's my little mantra. Fried oils fry health. Fried foods fry health. There's no doubt about it in the research. Whether you fry starch or protein or fats, all three of them, independent of each other, increase your risk of cancer because you're changing molecules. So frying is the worst thing we have ever invented to do to oils in our 200,000-year history. It is the dumbest thing that we've ever ever learned because it does so much damage to the molecules we put it in our body in order to try and build our health. And the North Dakota 
Flax Council. This, I can't remember what they're called, Flax Institute. I'm not happy me saying that because they say you can use flax oil for frying. I think that's the dumbest thing that you would ever do because flax oil is even more sensitive to damage because the omega-3s are really, really, really sensitive. Five times more sensitive than the omega-6s to damage. And so that would be the oil you least would want to use for frying. The mm -hmm. hardest fats are the most stable, but they still get damaged and they still damage you. So nothing is good for frying except water. Yeah. Well, and I just want to point out that there's a phospholipid layer in every cell, the exterior of the cell, and the health of that phospholipid layer allows different minerals and fat-soluble nutrients to enter the cell. So sometimes you can be consuming things, and if you don't have a great phospholipid layer or good fatty acid status, you're yeah. not able to absorb those minerals and fat-soluble nutrients in the way that you should. So sometimes you're just not even getting leverage out of those really immune system-boosting things. So that's a really big piece too. So yeah. um, thanks for going over the manufacturing and the processing of oils, but yeah. you got the health product brand. And I'd love to know what year that kind of started where you're driving around in the hippie van all over the US. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a pretty much a hippie van. 1988 was the first tour. And we did it cool. through the US while well, we started on the West Coast. And we literally went everywhere we could. And we, I slept on the floor in the van. My driver had built himself a bunk across the back. And we did it on all raw vegetables except for the first two weeks because we found that if we ate meat, we felt heavy. And if we ate carbs, we tended to fall asleep. And we couldn't do that because we worked all day and drove all night. So we literally did the rest of the tour. So 101 days minus 14 on all on raw vegetables. Like we just bought cabbage and ate cabbage, <laughs> right? And carrots and apples. And so we literally worked all day, drove all night. So that was 1988. We started making flax oil in late 1986. And flax oil is what we talked about in the tour in 1988. Yeah. yeah. And it was quite the health experiment <laughs> driving across the US. Oh, was, so, but you know what? You know, when you're on fire with something, like if you had to do this, if somebody said you have to do this, oh, you'd groan and moan. He <laughs> said, no, I'm not doing it. I don't want to go. No, no, please don't. You know, but we were so on fire. It was so fun. It was so fun. Yeah. I'd never had a day where I felt like it was like a mission from God. <laughs> it did not work. Yeah, it was. It, it didn't feel like work. No, I mean we had long days and short nights, and we were very, very, very active, and we'd be tired as totally tired, dead tired in the evening. But I don't remember ever feeling like we were working. We were just having so much fun. Yeah. So we've got the health product brand, but now your life's work is really about fulfillment, really total health. So you've kind of identified there's eight steps to, yeah. you kind of said, Hey, the problem with the society, like you stand back and say, this is the problem I think I see, right? And it's, mm -hmm. our, it's our society's approach to finding happiness. So let's talk about how people are blocking their own joy and how, what are some of the eight steps to move past that? Okay, let me give you the segue of how I got there from fats, because fats was my first step. And I felt like that's a big project. And I felt I wanted to cut my teeth on a smaller project rather than the big project. And when I was going around educating for 15 years, I lived out of a suitcase for six to nine months of the year, went to about 40 countries, always to do the education on health and how to make it work and how oils are involved in it and all of that. But what I noticed is that sometimes people wouldn't put in practice the really good information I gave them. And I came to the conclusion that people, when they're not inspired, they will not make the changes that they need to make in order to improve the quality of their life. So with the information, that has to come with inspiration. 
And then I started to think about, well, what else affects health? And I was like, well, actually, everything affects health. So your politics affects health. You know, your friends, who you hang out with affects health. What your surroundings are like affects health. How you think in your head affects health. Your emotional resentments affect your health. The air you breathe affects your health. How you feel inside about who you are as a living creature or how in touch you are with your life affects health. I mean, literally everything affects health. And even how you feel about being in a terminal, in, in a body that is a terminal condition in an infinite universe. You know, everything affects health. So if you want to be really healthy, you have to give everything its due. And so I said, well, what are the pieces? And I came up with eight different parts. I wrote a book called, it's an overview book. It's called The Book on Total Sexy Health, The Eight Key Parts Designed by Nature. And the eight parts are, number one is internal awareness. A lot of people would say, what the hell are you even talking about? Well, if you were able to sit still, that's hard to do for us because we're addicted to doing. Do, 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 do. And then we turn into do, do. If you could sit still, just take the time to sit still, do nothing, and just be with yourself in the space that you're in. So here I am in my, I'm in a living room that is a studio, and I'm sitting on a high chair because I'm a brat. <laughs> and so just be present. And then if you could bring your awareness inward into the space that your body occupies and go as deep into that space as you can, and then observe what there is in that space, you would discover awareness, out of awareness comes everything. Your body comes out of awareness, the universe comes out of awareness, and awareness is nothing. Like it has no form, it has no shape, it has no inside or outside, but it's like presence. And if you get into that place, in awareness, there is a peace, it's basically peace has biological roots inside of every human being. If you could become good at bringing your awareness inside, and that, that takes practice. But if you could do that, you would discover something that is indestructible, always for you, your foundation, and no matter what's going on around you, that place cannot be stressed. It will never break down. It has no fear. It's beautiful and powerful to be able to go to that place whenever you need to. Now, most of the time, the way we live, because we don't do some kind of practice like that, you know, whenever we most need peace, we least have it because we start looking for peace when the doo-doo hits the fan. So that's the deepest part. Mostly, we don't pay attention to that at all. Second is life energy. Out of that awareness comes life energy. If you do that practice that I'm just talking about, getting quiet and going inside, and you start looking around, you will discover that in the darkness, there is light. And in the silence, there is sound. And in the emptiness you feel, there is love. And in the blandness of the taste of your mouth, there is a sweetness. But you have to go deeper than most of us do to discover that. And you use, basically, you use your senses to do that. But we mostly direct our senses outward, not inward. And this is like doing this kind of practice is like a homecoming. And then the third, out of that life energy that is your power, that is also, by the way, is your master and is actually who you are. You know, because if I said to you, Krista, Krista, I pointed you and I say, whose body is that? What would you say? 
I would say it's mine. <laughs> yeah, it's my body. As almost everybody would say that. But do you know that you've just told me that you're not the body? Because if, no. that's, if that's your body, you're not the body. You're the owner. Well, who owns the body? Oh, life owns the body. And life is omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient in your body. Life is the power. Life is the awareness. And life is the knowledge. Life knows everything about, you know, after you swallowed your food, life takes care of how did, does the molecule of folic acid that you just ate get to the place on the outside of your left ankle where a cell is calling for it, <laughs> right? Right? You Because you don't even know, right. right? But life takes care of that. So out of that comes inspiration. Inspiration is part of mind. Inspiration is the cure for depression. You cannot be inspired and depressed at the same time. And you cannot be inspired and anxious at the same time. And again, these are all internal aspects of our human nature that we don't give much credit to. So then out of outside of that, now you're talking physical body. So we're talking food, fitness, digestion, fitness is activity and rest, healing, sleep, and detox, or, you know, poison avoidance and detox. And that's what most people focus on when they talk about health. But health is much, much broader than that. Then outside of that is survival smarts. And that has to do both with feeling calm inside under fire. I think, you know, what's that called? Calmness under fire. And skills to deal with the emergencies that you hopefully you preemptively learn the, the skills you need for the kinds of crises that may arise. And you don't always pick them off like Corona was not one that people were aware they could do something about before it happened. But for a lot of them, if you live in earthquake zones or you live in the mountains on the hillsides, you don't build your house overhang, <laughs> the overhang rocks. Or if you live by the ocean, you know that tidal waves will go a certain distance and the tide will take you out if you build too low. So there are certain things you want to preempt as much as possible. And between being calm and then being having the skills that you need to deal with the crisis, that's also good for health. And then the next one out after that is your social group. You know, when we were kids, when some people really irritated us or we used them as excuses, as an excuse to irritate ourselves, we would say things like, you make me sick. I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that from the schoolyard. And that's just like, even as kids, we know that the people we spend time with affect our health. And then around that is a planet, nature, planet, solar system. And obviously what we do to the environment will eventually come back to us. You know, if you poop in your nest, you will nest in your poop. As it was a little bit differently expressed on a carved in a log on a beach once. And I thought, wow, that sums up all of the environmental issues. You know, the fact that we have Corona and everything got put on hold, it's remarkable. The air in Vancouver, which is fresher than just about any air anywhere, is fresher now than it was a month ago. The water, I can see like probably 30 feet into the water. That's never, I've never seen that in Vancouver. And I've been here for 60 years, you know, and around the world, there's less pollution in the air in China, in India, in Nepal, in Italy. They've talked about it. The sea creatures are coming closer to us because the water's cleaner, like the dolphins in Venice. And so there's a lot that we've done to the environment. And given this hiatus that we have right now, you can't argue that it's just the natural cycle because right now we've changed our behavior and we're already noticing very quickly 
the difference that that's making in the quality of our external environment. You know, because we're breathing that stuff and we're eating that stuff and we're drinking that stuff that we've created that's out of line with nature and therefore out of line with our health. So that's number seven. And number eight is coming to terms with the fact that you have a terminal body living for a short time in an infinite universe and being okay. And then what you want to do, if you want to live the best life, fully present in all of your being and your surroundings and not lost in thoughts and fears and emotions in your head. So that's a quick overview of a quick overview. Yeah, it's a quick overview of like a lifetime of <laughs> yeah. of steps and direction. Guess what? That's what we have the lifetime for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're supposed to enjoy this gift, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody can yeah. enjoy it for us. So if we don't enjoy our life, nobody, you know, then it's a wasted gift. And my thought has always been from when I was a kid, I'm interested. I would like to have 8 billion people live their lives lit up from within because the light's already there. It's a matter of looking into it instead of looking away from it. When we do that, we will feel so cared for by life because life it has unconditional love for the body. Never takes a day off, never takes a weekend off, never goes on strike, never asks for anything back. You know, unconditional, there is our model for unconditional love. And the closer we get to that, the more we can express that in our behavior. So I can't remember where I was going, but I was going somewhere else. <laughs> you were giving us the kind of like, what's the most important thing people are supposed to know from that is, was what I felt you were saying. Oh, yeah. It was about anything I can do to get 8 billion people to live lit up from within. I'd want to do that. When that happens, we will feel so taken care of that we don't steal each other's stuff. When we don't steal each other's stuff, we can live in harmony. And when we live in harmony, it is very simple to make sure that everybody's basic needs are met on a long-time sustainable basis. Now, why that isn't everybody's goal is beyond me. Because then, you know, in that situation, you don't have those stupid wars that I was born in. You know, of course, that war was a gift for me because it rubbed my nose in the fact that we could live better, that we need to live better. Mm -hmm. And to look at how can we do that? Right. So, but I don't wish it on anybody, but we're drifting towards war now because we're not doing the homework that keeps us in peace. The peace is waiting in us to be discovered personally, individually. Not, I'm not talking about absence of war and ceasefire. I'm talking about a peace that is so peaceful, that is so rich and beautiful that you'd want to hang out, to, out into it if you knew that it's there and you knew how to access it. Udo, we've gone from World War II to pesticide toxicity to being a fat-loving entrepreneurial hippie to kind of a happiness lecturer now. Um, and I feel like I feel yeah. like you've just given us a little bit of what you'd want to leave people with, or like the sentiments you'd want to leave people with. Is there anything like if you could tell people one thing? to help start living like this is what you need to remember from this podcast episode. What's one yeah. thing you can do to start living better today? What would that be? And then where can people find you online? Yeah. Okay. Well, right. Given that we're in a Corona lockdown right now is a perfect time for us to make the time to get still and to discover the magnificence of our own existence. Take that time, make that time, do the things you always never had time for. And use this as an opportunity to enrich your life or to discover the richness of your life within, rather than freaking out about, oh, my God, oh, my God, Corona's going to get me. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. You know, the body's terminal for sure anyway. 
thrive in the time that you have by getting fully present because that thriving is built into you. And it doesn't matter what your background is, what your race is, your gender is, your age is, what culture you're from, what religion you believe, what culture you have, what nation you, you live in. This is biology. This is human. This is, we all have that in common. Something magnificent created on this planet by life and to enjoy that. I would say the biggest sin is to miss enjoying that incredible gift that we've been given. Take the time to enjoy that gift. See how deep you can go. See how much you can bring that out first for yourself and then to share with your surroundings. So Udo, thank you for that like calm, serene bit of the end there. If people want more Udo-isms, mm -hmm. they can find you on Instagram at Udo Erasmus yeah. and the Udo Erasmus on Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on today yeah. and sharing kind of some of your life lessons. Should I give my websites? Oh, yeah, we can give your website. It's UdoErasmus.com. Yeah, UdoErasmus.com or TheUdo.com. Okay. Uh, that's a little easier. And Udo's Choice is the product website and The Udo is where we're doing the educational stuff. All the site links are in the show notes. And then I think that there's a freebie called Your Body Needs an Oil Change for ebook and bonus videos also in the show notes. Yeah, perfect. I hope this is helpful to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Krista. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life, and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock.